Listen, there's a little more than a month to go now before voting ends of the Conservative Party of Canada leadership race, with the winner announced on September 10th. It's coming up fast. The third and final leadership debate was held in Ottawa last night with some glaring absences. Presumed frontrunner Pierre Polyev and Leslin Lewis weren't there. They both faced $50,000 fines for not showing up. Polyev said was at an event in Regina and made it clear he had no problem skipping the final debate, saying there was no place he'd rather be than where he was. Quote, I could have been cooped up in a little hotel room around a small table listening to a defeated Liberal premier drone on about his latest carbon tax idea. He had to say, referring, of course, to Jean Charest. Well, Jean Charest, Roman Baber, and Scott Aitchison took part in the bilingual roundtable event. Charest didn't hold back on his thoughts on the absences of those who weren't there. Roman Baber, Scott Aitchison, and I all agree on one thing. If we are going to unite the party, you have to show up. You actually have to show up. You have to speak to the membership. You can't treat them with contempt. Jean Charest there last night. He didn't name names, but you know who he's talking about. So with the debates now done and voting well underway, is this race all but over? Joining me now is Globe and Mail writer at large, John Ibbotson, the publication's former Ottawa bureau chief and chief political writer. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, Ben, good to see you. So uh, this final debate uh, unfolded in a pretty fitting way, I would think, uh, given it was a fairly unusual leadership race, pretty acrimonious. And Pierre Polyev's decision to bail, he essentially used that to uh, mock Jean Charest from afar some more. What did you make of it all? Um, I think it was uh, Polyev being strategic. Um, He has this race pretty much wrapped up. On the same day of the debate, uh, his campaign uh, announced that it had raised $5 million in the second quarter, which is an astonishing amount of money. Um, He has more than 300,000 people signed up, uh, 312, I think, thousand signed up. There was no profit in him giving John Charest any more oxygen by debating him. Uh, And of course, there was always the possibility that he would make a mistake do something embarrassing so we decided to just um uh take the the, the risk of leaving it paying the fifty thousand dollar penalty and thus leaving the stage in the end to just mr shiray and um and the other two minor characters mr Barber and mr atchison um mr shiray did a great job he, he's a very experienced politician he loves to debate he's very good at it but you know, did anybody hear what he had to say? Uh, and did anybody care is the real question. Um, there's a consensus, and I'm part of that consensus, that the only question now is whether Pierre Polyev will win this thing on the first ballot. And the answer is probably yes. Jean Charest had a good line last night about leadership is fighting and showing up. It isn't about running away, but I suppose it all depends on what you're running away from. You're right. In this case, uh, the the political gains for Polyev to take part were probably far probably far outweighed the uh, or the political gains to not taking part would far outweigh those uh, of showing up. Yes, although you know what, there's also substantive truth to what Jean Charest said. He has shown up for three decades. Um, he took the shattered Progressive Conservative Party, led it back to respectability, then was pushed to go to, over, to Quebec to take over the Liberal Party in order to confront the powers of separatism. He did that, became uh, Premier of Quebec, won several elections there. Um, he, he said that whenever his party called, his province called, his country called, he answered that call. And in fairness to him, that is perfectly true. He has done those things. There aren't many people who can claim a life of service in Canada uh, you know, more sustained um, than, than Jean Charest. 
uh, uh, so he had every right to show up on that stage and say, where's this guy who says he's going to beat me? Why won't he show up? Because, in fact, Jean Charest always has shown up. Yeah, I mean, I think Jean Charest has run a, a pretty impressive campaign, actually. Just he seems to have found himself at a time where at least the, the, cog, the Tory caucus and, and a lot of uh, people supporting Pierre Polyev seem to be wanting something a little a little different, it would seem. <laughs> Something a little or even a lot edgier. Uh, yes, something more overtly populist, something less, as people say, Laurentian, uh, less central Canadian. Um, the real question is uh, always the same question. Can the Conservative Party win over suburban voters in Ontario, especially immigrant suburban voters in Ontario, because there are so many of them. They are dominated in so many ridings. And the answer um under Stephen Harper, increasingly was yes. But then in 2015, Justin Trudeau took them away. Andrew Scheer couldn't get them back. Errol Toole couldn't get them back. Can um, Pierre Polyev's populist message uh, of freedom and just, you know uh, abolishing the gatekeepers win them over? I think there's a feeling inside the party that with the liberals, you know, seven years in, a bit tired, a bit dispirited, uh, with inflation running high, uh, with the, you know, the economic strains that have come along in the wake of the pandemic, uh, that the, the liberals are vulnerable. And this is the kind of message um, that's going to appeal to uh, those suburban uh, middle-class um, immigrant Ontario voters. They don't need any more support in the West. They have that locked up. Um, they would like to get support in Quebec, but then it's, it's not likely they'll find much. But they can get uh, a government, that even a majority government, if they own the Ontario suburbs. And I think there's a feeling inside the party that Mr. Polyev can deliver. Yeah, I mean, this this looks like it'll boil down to a bit, once again, a big fight over sort of the 905, that area around uh, greater Tro around Toronto, the city of Toronto, and uh, and the lower mainland to some extent, where the Conservatives took a step backwards in the last election. I mean, I, I've been impressed by how disciplined Pierre Polyev's campaign has been. He's been it's been a very... He's stuck to the same messages from the beginning. Uh, there's not a lot of policy there, to be frank, but uh, he hasn't been debating policy. He's been debating emotion to some extent, and he seems to have won that fight. It is a disciplined campaign, and you're absolutely right. Um, there are people on the liberal side who have been warning about Pierre Polyev for months now. One of them is Jerry Butts, uh, the former principal secretary to um, Justin Trudeau. Um, and Butts looked at uh, the fundraising numbers and he said this guy has won a simple disciplined campaign that is all about hoovering up money hoovering up donations hoovering up names uh, on the membership lists and then using that to as he put it talk to the 87 percent of canadians who aren't on twitter um the i think the feeling is that the the you know, for all intents and purposes the leadership campaign is over we only need to wait for the results on september 10th after that, the real campaign begins in which Pierre Polyev uh, introduces himself to the country, and he will have all the money that he needs to do it. And and quite a bit of time, it would seem, provided this uh, arrangement between the Liberals and the NDP holds on for a few more years. He has some time uh, to grow into the job, doesn't he? Should he win? He does. Now, you know, there are pluses and minuses. Um, inflation is high. Uh, economic insecurity is high. Uh, it's possible that by you know two to three years from now, as the next federal election approaches, assuming the effective coalition between the NDP and the Liberals holds, um, that the economy will be better, that prices will have come down, um, that uh, people will be employed, inflation will be tamed, and people will be feeling better about the country. 
So, I mean, there is an argument that it should be better for him to go early rather than later. But I think their general feeling among economists as well as polit political watchers is that there are big structural problems coming out of the pandemic and they're not going to go away anytime soon, including uh, by the time of the next federal election. So, yes, I think you make a very good point. He already has a lot of experience in the House as an MP, a bit of experience as a cabinet minister, and he'll have plenty of time now to get his feet uh, firmly on the ground uh, as a leader of the official opposition. Uh, and he will try to make that look like um, a prime minister in waiting. I'm speaking with John Ibbotson. He's the Global Mail's writer at large. We're talking about uh, the Conservative Party leadership race, the final debate last night in Ottawa, not attended by the presumed frontrunner Pierre Polyev, who decided to head to Saskatchewan instead and say there was no place he would rather be, that he didn't want to be at the debate at all. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a bit more just about what this means in the short term for the Conservative Party, because going in, there was this idea that the candidate who would assume the leadership would need to bring the party back together. And it seems, at least as far as the centrist wing of the party is concerned, that uh, Pierre Polyev is not so concerned about that. We'll talk about what impact that could have after this. My guest this half hour is Global Mail writer-at-large John Ibbotson. We're talking about the Conservative Party leadership race. The uh, voting submission deadline is just a little more than a month away. We'll find out who's won on September the 10th. Uh, all the big money these days uh, is on Pierre Polyev, who seems to have a, a decisive lead in this in this campaign. But uh, Jean Charest is still doing relatively well. Um, Going into this, there was a lot of talk about trying to unite the party again, you know, trying to make the Conservative Party a bigger tent party again. Pierre Polyev seems to have run against that whole notion, and he doesn't seem to be extending any olive branches to uh, to his rivals these days either. Is there any chance coming out of this uh, that there will be divisions within the party that might be hard to mend? There will be divisions in the party, just as there were divisions in the party with Stephen Harper and Peter McKay. Uh, united the Canadian Alliance and Progressive Conservative Party's way back in 2003-2004. You remember that Joe Clark wouldn't have anything to do with that party. He left it. But <clears throat> enough of the party was intact uh, to take it into a federal election, indeed to win in 2006, then to govern for almost a decade. And I think the case is the same now. The problem that the Conservatives have had is that in order to win the leadership, you have to win the support of the conservative base. And then leaders like Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole have thought the next thing I have to do then is pivot more to the center in order to broaden the tent and to win over undecided voters. But that never worked for them. I thought it's what they had to do too, by the way, and I was wrong, um, because it never worked for them. Voters could see the pivoting. They could see that he says one thing on one day, and now he's saying <clears throat> another thing on another day. All of a sudden, he's for a carbon tax. And they punished them for it. There were other things as well in that last election campaign, especially vaccines. Um, but what Pierre Polyev is doing is saying, look, I'm going to be me. I'm going to run this populist message. I'm going to run this message of gatekeepers, of, of freedom. I'm going to, I don't know why, support cryptocurrencies. I'm going to fire the government of the Bank of Canada, uh, which is a very bad idea, by the way, but that's what he's going to do. And I'm just going to pound this message home. There will be no pivot. And if people, if I if I bleed a bit of support um, off uh, on the left with liberals, then I guess I will. But of course, there's support over there in the People's Party um, that that might be available to him. But overall, I and the people that I've talked to believe that the goal has got to be to get the conservatives out of the party of 30 to 35 percent of the popular vote, trying to get it up to 37, 38, 39 percent of the popular vote, and instead try to make it a party that's more broad-based, that's in the 40s, um, that can that can take, uh, that has a much larger available voter pool. And they're doing that by stoking the notions of resentment, 
I'm at elites, um, economic insecurity, inflation, high housing uh, prices, which they all believe are messages that suburban uh, middle class voters in Calgary and Vancouver uh, and Victoria, as well as in Brampton and Mississauga and Nepean, will find compelling. Yeah, I mean, every time I see one of these more uh, odd statements by Pierre Polyev about firing the Bank of Canada governor, for instance, or his champion in cryptocurrencies and so on, I always remember that John Baird, who's by no means a radical, Jenny Byrne, who uh, was a you know a fine strategist for Stephen Harper, they're behind the scenes here. So a lot of this appears to be pretty calculated. Do you see any weaknesses? Do you, I mean, you've covered politics for a long time. Do you see any weaknesses there for, for Polyev? There are always weaknesses. <clears throat> I remember Preston Manning once saying, the thing that does the politician in isn't the opposite of what made him uh, successful. It's the same thing that made him successful. So what's making Polyev successful right now is a focused, disciplined message, a highly professional campaign team. But is he flexible? Can he adapt to changing circumstances? Does he have the capacity to learn, which I think is the single most important quality in a politician? Or is he going to just be stiff-necked and ramrod straight and push it through? In which case, you know, if, if circumstances change, he might have yesterday's tune uh, when a completely new uh, song is needed. So there are risks, absolutely. But I will say this, and I'll say it with some conviction, Polyev, Pierre Polyev is undoubtedly the strongest character, the strongest personality the Conservative Party has had since Stephen Harper. And I think that's what people are getting to. Who do you think the Liberals would like to see here? I think the Liberals thought they wanted to see Pierre Polyev. They thought they, that he was radical, he was extreme, he was with the truckers, and they would make mincemeat of him. But I think they're rethinking that. People like Scott Reed, people like Jerry Butts are saying, whoa, 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 this guy is for real. He's got money, he's got organization, he has a consistent message at a time when our party is uh, floundering a bit, is, is unfocused. Um, so there's going to be a debate inside the Liberal Party as well. Uh, how do we... Um, contain Pierre Polyev and who is best to contain him? Should Justin Trudeau continue to lead the party through 2025? Does he want to lead the party through 2025? Um, and if he doesn't, and if he shouldn't, then who is the liberal who could take Pierre Polyev on? Because uh, they're going to have that problem themselves to solve. Yeah, that's another good question. Do you think Do you think Justin Trudeau is going to hang on? I've been hearing lots of different people say different things about whether or not he's going to run again. Well, he says he's going to run again. Um, I said during the last election campaign that his heart didn't seem to be in it most of the time, um, and that if he did run, if he did win, uh, he probably would not serve out the full term. I think he was hoping to get a majority government to serve for two or three years and then hand the reins over um, to his successor. That's just a guess on my part. I don't know it, it's, but as I say, um, it's 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 my guess. Um, the question now, he he has this effective supply agreement with the NDP so he can go to 2025 does he want to and on and, and on on what agenda um how does he get the airports running again how does he get the passport offices working again how does he get the healthcare system functioning properly again how does he bring down inflation how does he have, make housing affordable there's a lot of stuff on the agenda and, and right now i think there's a growing feeling that the Liberals don't have control of this agenda. The polls are showing the, pop, the Prime Minister and the party uh, are less popular than they've been at any time since 2015. So they've got to ask themselves, uh, how do we arrest that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, going into this, it was said this was a battle for the soul of the Conservative Party. Clearly, the whole point here is to win an election. Um, it looks like the battle for the soul is decided, and this is kind of how we're going to 
where the next elections can be fought by Pierre Polia versus somebody, and it should be a pretty interesting battle. Absolutely, and we know who, and we know where Polyev is. We know he's not going to change. There won't be any pivots. There won't be any sudden surprises to carbon taxes and the like. He's going to be who he is. He's going to exploit economic insecurity and a, and what he perceives to be or reasserts is a tired liberal agenda and say it's time for a change. Now, liberals are very good at winning elections. They've been doing it through most of the 20th century and part of the 21st. So how do they how do they combat that? They have found ways to do it in the past. The challenge is what what, what will that way be? John Ibbotson, thank you so much for your time tonight.